Hi, everybody. Welcome to the beginning of our second season. It's been a year, and while I was on break, we passed 50,000 downloads of the podcast. Wow. So much bad advice winging its way through the world. Thank you for listening, and thank you for coming back. I aim to be no more qualified than ever. And now, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice, the podcast where I, Quinn Cummings, give advice to people I do not know. If you're joining us for the first time, you may be asking yourself, does Quinn really want to give me bad advice? And the answer is no, I do not want to give you bad advice. I want to give you good advice. But I have absolutely no qualification to give you any sort of advice at all. I am not Val Deming. I am not Kamala Harris. I am not Susan Rice. I give advice because it amuses me to do so. So you might be asking yourself, will this advice I'm about to give you be good advice? Well, I think the answer is in the title of the podcast. If you want me to give you bad advice, you can leave a question for me at qcbad.com. It's completely anonymous, and better yet, it's completely free. So I can offer up this advice with a 100% money-back guarantee. Now, let's get started. Our first question comes from qcbad.com. Subject, is it safe to go back to work? Dear Quinn, I've been out of work for the past few months and have the opportunity to return to work. This is good. I want to get back to work. Here's the problem. I work from 8 to 5 as a manager for a small cleaning company and occupy a tiny office with a window that will not open. My staff of 18 come to the office intermittently a few times a week for between 10 and 20 minutes. I asked my boss if I can request that staff wear a mask while they are in the office. I told him I would provide the masks and explain that I live with my 75-year-old father and will be more comfortable if we're all wearing masks. He said he doesn't want to infringe on people's freedoms by requiring they wear a mask. I offered to tell them it was not mandatory, but ask all the same. He said no. Our local ICU is almost full. I live in a deep red state where masks are not mandatory and everything is open. Two of my staff are currently being tested for the virus because they are very sick. I am afraid to go back to work. Before I left, I put in place safety protocols, purchased PPE, and conducted additional training to mitigate the risk for staff and clients. My boss has done away with a lot of that. I'm sick at heart. I think I'll lose unemployment benefits if I don't go back. I'm also worried about my people. They have an anti-science idiot for a boss. They are a vulnerable lot and can't survive without a job. I can for a while, at least anyway. What should I do? You can't argue facts with the fact-free. And for your own mental health, I suggest you not even try. What I would suggest is writing your boss a very, very, very polite email, explaining your concerns about the possible liability exposure should an employee turn up sick, leading to other people getting sick and, God forbid, dying. If you have a cleaning staff, they're going into other people's houses or buildings. Reiterate that there are many people like yourself who are caring for elderly relatives. 
It sounds as if the company has more than 15 employees. If you really want him to sweat, ask him if there is anything more you should be doing with regards to the Americans with Disabilities Act. The whole thing should be, I am working with you, person with all the authority. I want to make sure I'm keeping you completely safe against the tsunami of legal bullshit coming your way if you act in a science-free fashion. It's harder to argue with someone whose entire email seems to be dedicated to keeping you out of the courts. I mean this more than I have ever meant it before. Good luck. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, what if cash is not cash? Dear Quinn, We've been invited to a wedding which will have to go on despite COVID because the bride needs to begin her citizenship paperwork. They postponed briefly, but now have to move along with their plans. In lieu of a traditional registry, they have registered with PayPal, saying the gift they most want is money needed for her citizenship. I hate giving cash. My daughter argues this is not cash. This is a very well-thought-out gift that they both want for the bride, And what better gift than to become a U.S. citizen if that's what the bride wants? I still think it's just money. It requires no thought, not even a card of handwritten well wishes with a check tucked in. Just a button to push, credit card number at the ready. What say you, Quinn? I think you have to meet people where they are. This couple is at the corner of broke and billable hours. Send them money and wish them well. This doesn't mean you can't also send them a lovely card. This doesn't mean you can't send them a small token gift to celebrate her becoming a citizen. But they need the cash. Send them money, send them a card, and wish them well. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, what can I do with lettuce? Dear Quinn, my wife and I live alone, no kids, and subscribe to a CSA, Community Supportive Agriculture, to receive summer produce. Every week, there's an overabundance of lettuce. Boston, bib, red leaf, arugula, the supply never ends. Since we're not huge fans of your basic salad, what are some creative ways to work through each week's heads? Pesto. You can make pesto with any greens. You can split it and do half basil, half lettuce. Arugula would be nice because it's got some flavor to it. So make a ton of pesto and then freeze it. And then you're eating lettuce and you don't even feel sorry for yourself. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, exhausted by coworker. I have a friend at work who is a good person, a hard worker, beautiful. The problem is she's exhausting. She has very low self-esteem. She always puts herself down. She always believes that disaster is around every corner. Recently, we gained a new boss, who has now demanded that my friend change her work hours and finish a difficult project on a short deadline. My friend is in a tailspin, believes her job is at risk. It isn't. 
She looks to me as if I can fix this, but I'm not in a position to do so. How can I help her improve her outlook without spiraling down with her? You lucky thing. You are being used as the daytime blood bag for an emotional vampire, a person who gathers their energy from the sympathy and attention of others. There is nothing you can do for her, and on some level, she knows this. She wants some place to park her anxiety while also having a nice brunch of attention. There is a reason there are no great novels about the rich, full life of a vampire's victim. Here's the trick with emotional vampires. They gather their energy from your pity and your engagement. Give her neither, and she'll stop coming to you for this. When she starts, listen with full attention for about 30 seconds, then cut her off gently and say, Well, I'm sure you've got this, but I just realized I forgot to call someone back. Give her some man and I bit of encouragement and exit the scene. If she demands a solution, respond with, You've got this. She'll respond, But I don't. And you'll say, You've got this, or whatever meaningless phrase you have chosen. Don't add more details. If you give her more details, she'll find something to swing back with a classic, Yeah, but. And you're off to the emotional blood bag races again. Say something bland, then exit. If you stop giving her those precious emotional calories, she will have to feed elsewhere. It's not personal. You just can't do her any good. Also, if you haven't already, find the show What We Do in the Shadows. Specifically, Season 1, Episode 3. You're welcome. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, College Bound. Dear Quinn, my daughter is going to college this fall all the way across the country. We are very close, and I know she needs to grow on her own, but I'm struggling a lot with her moving so far away. How did you deal with your daughter moving? How do I respond in a healthy way for her as she takes this next step? First of all, congratulations. You raised a person well, and you know this because she is about to do something that proves she is well on her way to becoming an actualized adult. It also feels as if it rips out vital organs from your body and drops them across the Midwest. What can I tell you? Well, for me, the anxiety about how bad the pain of letting her go would be was worse than the actual pain was. Then again, I have a friend who cried for three months. Well, technically she cried every Sunday night, and this is, in fact, a critical detail. For the first semester, her son came home from college every weekend to see his girlfriend or work in a haunted house. Every Friday, he would arrive. She would have a wonderful, hectic two days with him, and then Sunday night, he would go back to school. Every five days, my friend would have the Band-Aid reapplied and ripped off again. People like us, you and I, people who see them at Thanksgiving, we miss our kids terribly, but we have the room to start imagining who we are if we aren't mom two days out of seven. I fixated on the idea of the kid not thinking of us as home anymore. 
as being distant satellites to her life. And I was right. We're not in the middle of her life anymore. There are great swaths of her life we know nothing about. But it was always this way. College before 1990 meant a quick call once a week, usually on the payphone at the end of the hall. Your child probably doesn't fully exist without her phone. However much this annoyed you in the past, thank dead Steve Jobs for that phone now, because anyone born after 1998 thinks by texting. She will send you laundry questions. She will send you pictures of a bruise she got. She will demand pictures of the pets. You two will, in a word, chat. And you will communicate in a lazy and unstressed way because there is only so much you can know and there is only so much you can do. I think texting is the way parents and children can practice their new relationship where both people are adults. And as an adult, you are allowed to text her, I really miss your face, but I'm so happy that you're happy. To which you will probably get some variation of, Mom, don't be weird. Send me a picture of the dog. Which is college freshman for, I love you too. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, it's a nice day for a COVID wedding. Dear Quinn, We've been invited to a wedding next month in a state that, mm, let's just say, is having a lot of COVID cases and not a lot of masks. I want to go. The bride and groom have been told to expect very few guests to actually attend unless they wait a year, but they've decided not to wait any longer. There will be a virtual option. My husband has promised me my favorite bottle of champagne and a cheese plate for us to attend online. He insists they will understand and points out that if we're not paying for flights and hotels, we can give a more generous gift. I think we should go. Your take? I see no reason to go. I mean, save a certain anthropological curiosity in how a bride and groom's first celebratory elbow bump looks. I say save the money, get them a slightly nicer gift, and then spend a little extra money, buy yourself something cute from the waist up to wear to their wedding. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, help close the public cat toilet. Dear Quinn, thanks to COVID, we've become new gardeners. Lots of flowers and now a small vegetable garden. Problem? Neighborhood cats think these pots and boxes are luxury bathrooms. I've tried sprinkling cayenne pepper, spraying liquid garlic, ew, and have now placed chicken wire just under the soil. They are not getting the hint. Got any bad advice? Yes. You still have soil there, which means that their little brains are getting triggered for, oh, look, it's a port of sand. You need to change how it feels under their feet. Use rough bark mulch about an inch or so deep. It's not dirt or sand, so it doesn't give them the cues that we're now at the port of sand, and it will also help the water that you are giving the plants from evaporating. Plants win, you win, and the cats lose. And there you have it. This one comes from QCBad.com. 
Subject, not wanting to travel for the holidays. Nephew and I live in Southern California. Legally blind brother lives in some godforsaken remote area in Arizona. We usually spend Christmas in Portland, Oregon at my sister's, the eldest. Usually not an issue for me or nephew, and my brother deals with constantly canceled flights and misconnections. Since three-quarters of us are over 60, any suggestions on broaching the subject of not traveling for the holidays during a pandemic? I'm staggered we even have to say this, that it wouldn't just be understood that anyone in a higher-risk category wouldn't want to put themselves in densely populated areas like airports. But American politics have weaponized stupidity, and here we are. Yes, you probably shouldn't travel for the holidays. But, let's be honest, it's early to be discussing this. And if anyone in the family has decided that facts aren't facts, bringing it up four months in advance will just cause them to shriek about how you're over-dramatizing this. The day before we taped this, Houston, Texas had 43 pages of obituaries. You aren't over-dramatizing this. Anyway, my bad advice is that you gather data for the next few weeks and see how you and the nation feel right around Labor Day, at which point you will bring up the most recent data and explain how this data means you will not be traveling this year and how, as a group where 75% of you really shouldn't be traveling, are you going to problem-solve a holiday together meaningfully over Zoom. And if you get any pushback, remind them that this Christmas together shouldn't be your last Christmas together. Well, I guess that's enough bad advice for right now. Oh, it's good to be back. And remember, I can't give you bad advice if you don't ask for it. Your question doesn't have to be profound, complex, or emotionally demanding. It can be about pretty much anything because, let's face it, I am unqualified to offer advice across a wide range of subject matter. And as we all know, sometimes the nuttiest question gets the best bad advice. You can reach me on Twitter, at Quincy. That's Q-U-I-N-N-C-Y at Twitter.com. Or you can post a question to qcbad.com. Just log into letter Q, letter C, B-A-D.com, and there's a question form right there. The question can be any length, but I'm finding they work better if they're shorter. Just a hint. Before I go, I'd like to thank Richard Emmett, who composed my groovy music, and Keith Greenstein, who designed my groovy logo. People have already started asking me how they can get a Bad Advice Fork in a Toaster t-shirt or coffee mug, and my answer to them is, hang in there, we are working on it. I also want to thank Phil Rohr and Prime Rib Productions for making it possible for you to hear any of this. Okay, that's enough for now. Keep those questions coming, and I'll see you all next time. <laughs>